Hello, everyone. Thank you for tuning in to the Joel Bynes Show. I suppose it's not tuning in like it was back in the radio days. We're not necessarily picking up the tuning of the radio signal. But I appreciate you listening either way. I know that it might be the holiday season right now if you're listening here in 2023. So wishing you peace and joy throughout that. And I also desire these episodes to be evergreen. But in this third part series of questioning your parents, I realized last week that the holiday season and the coincidence of this three-part series is interesting timing. I didn't plan it like that. I simply wanted to record this series. And part of me was like, maybe I need to move the dates of this series because that'll be more sensitive to people's protector parts, right? When if they're visiting family and they're listening to this deep information, questioning their parents, it can be a bit troublesome perhaps for some people. And I decided that while I I see those protector parts in people, I appreciate those parts and and I welcome any parts for people coming up. Any defenses, any guards, any walls, right? That I just want to speak the truth and there's not really gonna be an ideal time to hear some of this stuff if if it does indeed stimulate discomfort, which might not be the case. It might not be the case for you. But if it is the case for you, then I'm just choosing to to simply speak honestly nonetheless. So again, and then if we put our compassion hat on, what we're talking about here in this series is breaking that cycle of conditioning of domestication, of deference to authority rather than being our own authority, trusting our own mind to use reason and to make sense of things, and to build a world based based on consent. So we can have compassion for this cycle that seems to have been running humanity for for generations and generations and generations. And I do believe it's possible for for us to integrate and elevate to a higher level of consciousness. And that word consciousness can be broad, but what I'm really talking about is a way of being that is wholesome, that is honest, that is real that is based on harmony and trust and peace and consent, right? So doing that from the bottom up in the inside out. So we can have compassion for our parents, right? For the little boy that your father once was. For the little girl 
that your mother once was. You know, my father passed away about a year and a half ago, and I had the opportunity to speak with him in the days before he passed and had some profound experiences and deeply meaningful conversations, including the opportunity to connect with him and talk about his, his childhood a bit. And to, to gain that clarity into his experience, I'm very grateful for that. And to see that, that little boy he once was. And to, to love him. Right. That's the compassion we can have for this cycle. To see the little boy and the little girl that your, your father and mother once were. And to, to see the innocence of them as well as the little boy or little girl that you once were. And see the innocence for that young person, that little person, right? As Dr. Seuss said, a person is a person no matter how small. So all these children in the world are worthy of respect and dignity. And when we can integrate that principle, that ideal, as a species, as individuals, then we begin to birth these new ways of being in the world. So keep all that in mind, you know, if you are seeing your parents, perhaps, this week. And just recognize that all the feelings that might come up for you are welcome. And to just give yourself grace and kindness and acceptance for all the feelings in your body. All the parts of you that are trying to get your needs met. And at the end of the day, I believe that if we really just love and are present with all of the parts of ourselves, especially those protector parts that want to guard us. Just being loving and present without trying to change anything, but just, just being there is so powerful and so healing. Just that power of presence and to see the parts of ourselves for what they are. So this is really about building a world of consent when we have the courage and audacity to look at the truth of our childhood, look at the truth of the dynamics that were created between our child self and our parents from that young age, really, and to understand what is the relationship to authority that was birthed and calcified through those early years and, and beyond. Of course, it's, it's our parents first for essentially all of us, but also other forms of authority. And so I love the word consent and recognizing that we can build new ways of being for ourselves in our personal lives as well as 
the entire world if we begin to have this courage to integrate these these fragmented parts of ourselves and to recognize that when we're growing up and we're told what to do because the authorities said so, that it's not meeting our need for choice and for autonomy and for freedom and for respect. So it's a world of consent that I very much desire to build. In fact, my friends and I birthed a new term not long ago to really more specifically and invitingly communicate a philosophy of the, the world we desire to, to live in, which is a world of consent. And so I consider myself a consensualist, if anything. That's the term, consensualism. Another term that's more known is voluntarism, although even that term is not very well known. Voluntarism. This is a worldview to say how can we create a world or the ideal way for humans to live is one in which interactions are voluntary, right? So consent and voluntary interaction. Um, but I, th I think everyone can get on board with this idea of consent. I think everyone appreciates this. We obviously appreciate this in our personal relationships. The question is, can we, can we build that up in the macro societal realm, realm, right? And so that's where the compartmentalization happens for most people in the world, right? Because most people are buying into the belief that government is necessary, right? Centralized control systems are necessary that these domination paradigms that pay your taxes or else right are necessary that follow these laws or else are necessary that if we don't have centralized systems then the world will be chaos right these are the beliefs these are the inherited beliefs that we absorb as children through these systems and, of course, through, like, basically the indoctrination of going through government school systems, right? And I'm really kind of stripping away the euphemisms here, right? That's the reality for 90% plus of people is, is going through these government-funded school systems that have these standardized approaches to supposedly teaching children but it's really at the end of the day the mind of the child is not respected to follow his or her own curiosity and to question things right we're not allowed to question the teachers we're not allowed to ask the things like why am i here or why do i need to learn geometry these things are not welcomed are they because that that questions the fabric of the system or more deeply like how is this system funded Oh, it's through taxation. Or like, what is taxation? And as I walked you through in part two of this series, we see that taxation is not consent. So I'm kind of uncovering these layers, the fabric of these domination systems, right? Of, of this coercive taxation, which, which is redundant, of course. 
But to just put a highlight on that, this coercive taxation system of centralized government and then these school systems that are funded through that taxation, which is all based on non-consent. And so what I'm interested in here is the psychology of this. Where does this come from? Why? I'm asking why, 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 why? Like the young child does naturally until it got beat, beat out of him, right? To ask why. But I've rekindled that curiosity throughout my journey here in these past 15 years of life to, to continue to ask why about everything, including why does taxation exist? And then, do we need authority? What is authority? And then, what is this relationship between our parents growing up and this thing called taxation, this thing that says, give us your money or else? That is the fundamental psychological dynamic that's happening, which is all manifestation and projection of unhealed childhood trauma and conditioning. Because at the end of the day, government doesn't exist in physical reality, right? Let's get our philosophy hat on now. Government is an abstraction, just like, well, let me just break it down. Government is an abstraction. It doesn't actually exist in physical reality. Individual humans exist. So there are individual humans who are making choices who show up and role play, basically. They might wear a costume like a police officer or they might show up to a government building, right? But this is all just stories. These are all just abstractions. We have humans that are walking around. All, the hum all humans are the same, right? We all have the same needs. We all all the same biology, right? But some people call themselves government officials. That's just a label. At the end of the day, there's a bunch of stories happening, agreements, right? Go back to Don Miguel Ruiz, the four agreements. Like there's all these projections that people have agreed to because they were conditioned as children. They're domesticated, right? To borrow Don Miguel Ruiz's term, we, we were domesticated to buy into these agreements about how the world works, that government exists, that government is necessary, that government, et cetera, right? That this person has authority over me because he has a badge. Like, these are just stories. Now, of course, you know, if you choose to reject some of the stories, there could be very real consequences. But the, the, the thing is, when we're actually a being objective about what is happening here on this beautiful planet, <laughs> is there are some humans who are putting on this label of government official and then saying that you need to pay us money. And if you don't, we will threaten you. We're threatening you. And if you continue to say no, we just may come to your door, right? With, with guns, right? Like literally. Like IRS agents get guns. So it's all this threat of violence, which is all a projection of our unprocessed trauma because those individuals who are signing up to be a part of that organization 
What were their childhoods like? You know? So, again, we can put up, we can dose ourselves in this conversation in that compassion solvent. We can see the inner child of that individual who chose to enter into that domain. And be curious about what's alive in that person. What's motivating him or her? Is there a fear that he won't be able to meet his needs for sustainability and stability and security financially if he doesn't go into this type of institution? Because maybe he doesn't believe in himself to be able to create value in the market, to be able to trade voluntarily with people, right? Safe to say that creativity is more effort than coercion, right? So creativity is what the essence of entrepreneurship is and the market and voluntary interaction to create value for people so that they are inspired to provide their energy exchange, their money, right? to the business person and because of that value that the entrepreneur has provided is more more desirable than the money that the customer is is giving now we could go down a tangent about like okay there's there's certainly flaws in what we currently see in the marketplace because of these psychological dynamics there's there's manipulation in, in advertising i would say for example, but I would say all that's as well a manifestation of, of unprocessed trauma and lack of trust. And so the system of actual voluntary consensual trade is not the issue, it's the psychology. But it's really the unprocessed trauma is really getting manifested in the coercive institutions. So this is all to say, everybody, that questioning your parents and looking at the brass tacks, the honest truth about your childhood is the opportunity to integrate your relationship to authority and recognize that you are actually the predominant creative force in your own life and that you are sovereign and that you are worthy of self-expression and that you are worthy of trusting your own mind and that you matter just the way you are and you have the right to exist just by breathing and you are worthy of happiness and well-being just by breathing. That your beautiful, imaginative, unique self is incredible and does not owe anybody anything does not owe these individuals who are saying they need your money or else you do not owe them anything there is no social contract y'all there is no social contract and there's plenty of people who already written essays about this you know if you if you want to dive more into the the political philosophy about a world of consent and voluntary trade, then I, I'll refer you first to Complete Liberty Podcast, uh, as well as 
the Anarchist Handbook. These are two resources that I'll link to in the show notes. So the social contract, you know, doesn't really exist in reality because no one actually signs it. It's just a myth. It's just made up. It's just a story. It's just a euphemism. It's just trying to, it's just slave speak, right? The actual concrete truth is there is no actual contract. No one's signing anything. It doesn't exist. It's just a story to try to cover up the, the real truth, which is that there are individuals who are trying to extort money from people to build this entire domination institution known as government. And this manifests in so many ways. This is one reason I'm trying to, in this third part here, trying to start by highlighting this, this real connection between our relationship to authority as a young child and the entire broad manifestation of these governmental centralized control systems so we can actually look at the truth and integrate it and we can actually build peace and harmony on planet earth like again i refer you to my friends wes bertrand and michael malice i guess i'm not really friends with michael malice but i've met him but Wes Bertrand and Michael Malice, Complete Liberty Podcast, Anarchist Handbook, two good spots to start in terms of understanding the economics and the political philosophy about how we can build a world without a state, without a centralized government, right? Um, how it's actually completely possible um, from a like, logistical systems-based bottom-up approach. Um, but I, I'm just seeking to highlight here the actual psychological root of all this and then the the call to action is is essential for us to to end the violence in the world right i just i just i just really want to highlight this here for a moment before we before we kind of go back to really talking about your parents like the the issues in the world that we sort of we sort of just become desensitized to we're desensitized to war existing on this planet. Now, there might be certain wars that come up that are more popular to talk about, right? But there's a war happening all over the place. It's been happening continuously for a long time. And it's because of governments that the war exists. It's because the governments print money. I mean... Beginning of World War One was like when all these different government empires started printing money and funding this these wars. It was a huge factor. There's no incentive for peaceful, prosperous, prosperous, excuse me, peaceful and prosperous people to have war. This is this is all just government dynamics, and this is projection of childhood wounds. Dynamics. This is denial of the self and sacrifice to the collective, all of these things. But we, we can actually solve this if we're willing to put in the, the true getting to the root work. And then think about the prison systems in this, in this country and around the world, but especially the United States. The incarceration is absolutely mind-boggling. And people are just being thrown into cages. 
They're being thrown into cages just for possessing certain plants. Or they're being thrown into cages because they didn't consent to the extortion. Or they're being thrown into cages because any number of laws, right? And it's not to say there's not a need for restorative justice if someone does choose to violate somebody else's needs, right? But even something like as extreme as as murder, like there are better ways to address that that situation than to simply throw people in cages, <laughs> let alone kill them, right? I mean, if you watch Gabor Mate's documentary, I believe it's called um, Wisdom of Trauma, something like that. And just, there was a scene when prisoners were asked to step forward. There's a group of like 25 prisoners in a circle and they were they were asked a series of questions about their childhoods and they're asked if this was true for you if your parents were alcoholics or you were beaten as a child any of these types of questions please step forward if this is true for you and it was like essentially all the prisoners were stepping forward for these questions because their childhoods were Sacrificing so many of their needs. So throwing them in cages for whatever thing they did is not the way to to heal the world, of course. But it's out of this punishment-reward paradigm that the cages exist and and it's based on the government existing in the first place. You can have healthy ways to solve these problems when you have free markets and trust-based systems not based on, on... the non-consensual taxation system. So this is this is deep stuff. This is there's a lot of threads I'm connecting here. So thank you for for tuning in again, right? Um but these these things are absolutely atrocious and most people don't know they know this that the prison system's effed up, you know, wars effed up. Not to mention of the public schools that are effed up. But people don't get it the root of it, you know? So you might notice some emotion in my voice, right? There's definitely pain and and perhaps some animosity that I'm sending out or frustration. I just lament it, you know? I lament and mourn that these systems exist. There's so much power over dynamics and there's disassociation as a culture from the truth disassociation from our childhoods and and so we lose out on so much joy it's not only that there's these this damage psychologically and all this damage societally it's what's the opportunity cost like we if we can heal and become whole how much openness and joy unconditional love and thriving and creativity and aliveness can can come about so that's what i'm that's what i'm i'm inviting in this in this podcast this is about Let's turn towards the light and let's integrate the shadow. So can you compassionately and kindly look at your relationship with your parents? To take personal power and responsibility, right? Responsibility, the ability to respond 
Can you say, how, I'm going, how am I going to look at the facts of my childhood? And say, I have the power to look internally and live consciously about what my internal world is. And the more you do that, you can inspire others. And we can actually spread new paradigms like, like the healthiest of, of fires, right? But it's that invitation to really look at the truth. And as I close out, I just want to go back to this, this idea again of, well, my parents did the best they could. And really get back to that because it's, it's a common impulse to say that phrase. And I want to reiterate that there's two definitions of that. There's, okay, my parents did the best they could, perhaps, given the programming they received and given their unprocessed trauma, given the era in which they grew up, maybe less access to information compared to the modern era, right? Or just being more kind of plugged into certain assumptions and paradigms and circles of people that were believing certain things and just navigating that. And and that's all understandable, right? And we can, we can choose that definition of that phrase. We can choose that's one way to, to see this phrase that my parents said the best they could. But can you, can you invite more sophisticated, nuanced, flexible thinking? What is another way to look at that phrase? My parents did the best they could. Well, maybe they, maybe they didn't in the objective sense. Maybe there's a distinction between the effort they put forth and the actual ways they showed up for you. The actual ways they showed up for you. Did they actually ask you about your feelings? Did they actually consider your choice about going to school? Did they actually ask what you thought about certain topics? Did they actually get curious about your take on the religion that they were sharing with you? Did they encourage you to question them? Did they attune to your inner world? Did they really kneel down as you were going through an emotional experience and seek to connect with what was going on internally? Were they really delighting in your authentic self? Were they really desiring to know who you really were? Were they really cultivating an atmosphere of trust and openness? where you could feel free to speak your mind and self-express and create to your heart's desire? Were they really asking for your opinion? Were they really unthreatened if you expressed an idea that was different to their idea? Did they celebrate you from the inside out? Or was their love conditional? based on if you conform to their expectations, based on if you fell in line, based on if you did your homework, based on if you bought in to their worldview. Did they truly provide you with the opportunity to flourish, 
Do they really connect with your needs? All of them. Did they really communicate that all of your needs matter, but not, not that some needs are forbidden, right? Your need for authenticity, that's not really allowed here, you know? Oh yeah, we'll give you, we'll give you certain needs for safety, perhaps, for shelter, for even certain needs like, you know, intellectual stimulation. Maybe we'll talk about certain topics and we'll, we'll read stories and maybe there'll be certain needs that are getting met, creativity to some extent, or play. Maybe there was moments of play. How wonderful, right? How wonderful, the moments of play. I mean, play wasn't flourishing in my home growing up. But I remember my father, he used to like, when I was a little, he would like put me on his lap and he like pretend that his lap was uh, one of those... Um, one of those rides they used to have at like supermarkets. I don't know if they still have these, but you can put in 50 cents and you hop on this toy car that's like the stationary toy car that's um, that then starts to shake and move around. And it was it was a fun little ride you went on. Um, so he would pretend that uh, his lap, my dad would pretend his lap was this ride and be like, okay, now put the money in. And his, his, his fist was like the slot machine for the, the quarters. I would pretend to put in into his fist and then I put him in and then he would start to shake me around. And it was like the most fun thing that he ever did with me. I think it was just like so fun. It was just so playful. So there's certain needs that I got met, right? You got certain needs met perhaps. I certainly hope you got some needs met. The question is, did they, did they, did you actually get all your needs met? You know, were all of them? Did you really have unconditional love? Did you really have compassion, warmth, nurturing? Were you really seen? Were you heard? Were you understood? Did you get the chance to, to grow and use your own independent mind to figure out what what challenges you wanted to take on, what achievements you wanted to pursue? Was there that atmosphere of choice and freedom? Or was there things, um, were there things that were hoisted upon you, right? All of these things, these are the, this is the, this is the childhood you, you really needed to have all of your needs nourished. That would have been the best. Is recognizing what really the best is. It's not blaming and shaming. It's compassionate truth seeking. So thank you so much for your openness to this conversation. And please feel free to get in touch with me you can go to my website, joelbryan.com, and my email address is listed there. I'm open to your thoughts. And thanks for, for your curiosity and sending you all the love and compassion in the world. Take care. <laughs>